Just a quick message before the episode gets underway. The Aurora Renewables Summit London is returning on the afternoon of Wednesday the 26th of June. Book your ticket now to hear from leading experts in the energy industry as they assess the opportunities and challenges within the UK and the wider European renewable sector. You will also benefit from unparalleled networking opportunities. We look forward to seeing you there. Hello and welcome to Energy Unplugged by Aurora. This podcast features various experts from Aurora having in-depth conversations with key industry leaders, policymakers and academics from all over the world. It explores the hottest topics across the energy market and gives a unique perspective on major energy issues. Welcome to Energy Unplugged, a podcast by Aurora Energy Research. My name is Alexander Esser, and I'm the head of the Baltics and the Nordics at Aurora, based in Stockholm. And I'm very glad today to welcome my guest, who's the Executive Vice President for the Electricity System Operator at Svenska Kraftnet, which is the Swedish TSO. She's also the Chairman of the Board of ESET, a company providing balancing settlement services to participants of the Nordic electricity market. And prior to that, had several roles at the Nordic Utility Fortum and the Swedish DSO Elivio. And I'm very glad to now welcome Lovina Lundström to the podcast. Hi, Lovina. Hi. Um, I mentioned now Fortum, I mentioned Elivio, uh, now you're at Svenska Kraftnet. What, what drew you to the power sector in the first place? Well, actually, I had been working in the telco sector for several years, and I was part of the transformation from ticking the grid, uh, as it was called, to offering services to customers instead. And the energy sector at that time, about 15 years ago, uh, was comparable with where the telco sector was 10 years earlier. Therefore, I found it exciting to be a part of the energy transmission uh, as a sector. But I stay in the power sector as it's the most important sector for the energy transition and welfare. And working here means that one really can make a difference for so many people as well as society as a whole. That, that that's very interesting, and Svenska Kraftnet is is one of the most important uh, players to to uh, to to push forward the transition in the in the energy sector in Sweden. And now, for for the first part, I would like actually to talk about the role of Svenska Kraftnet and the priorities. Um, in our pre-discussion, you mentioned that Svenska Kraftnet is an agency, which is of course quite different to. Uh, other TSOs who might be state-owned or publicly listed. So what does it mean for for, for your role or for the role of Svenska Kraftnet to be an agency? Well, there are actually many pros uh, being an agency. We are not commercial-driven, uh, but driven by how we can serve the society in a cost-efficient and transparent way. Being an independent agency without specific EBIT demands on the short term, we have the right prerequisites. On the other hand, there are some restrictions regarding sharing data with other foreign companies like NSOE. It's based on specific uh, national laws for government and agencies. That causes challenges as data exchange between TSOs is an important part of our common responsibility. Hmm. Now that's that's very interesting. I think we'll we should touch upon uh, the the cooperation between the different TSOs, especially the Nordic TSOs, in a bit. But maybe before that, still on the role. How do you think has the role changed in the last years that uh, during a time where the share of renewables has increased quite drastically in the system and um, also the the, the, the bottlenecks uh, are different, different between the different price zones has occurred? So how has the role changed? Well, the absolute largest change, referring back to transformation I mentioned in the beginning, is 
that we had a quite long period of maintenance. The system was in balance, production was planable, the grid was developed, and plans could actually be in place for several years ahead. Now we are facing a power system with many challenges simultaneously, and especially the large structural change at the production side, in combination with an outer world with new demands beyond expectations. And there is a dramatically increased need for ancillary services, flexibility, uh, increased environmental demands. We are also moving from a few large producers to many small producers. And above all, consumption and production are not going hand in hand anymore as it did before. So the margins we previously had to run the system has been shrinking. And with renewables in the system, power will be less predictable, even if hydro can, can fend off parts of it. And the rate of change is increasing, and at the same time, the degree of complexity is increasing in matters of societal uh, importance. For Sansa Kraftnet, the change in additional is that also that we now are in the spotlight of the energy transition with high expectations. We are moving from a more or less unknown agency to a well-known agency, being in the media almost on a daily basis. And that also includes a cultural change for the organization. Yeah, being in the media very frequently, uh, I guess this was especially the case during the last uh, year, a uh, year of the energy crisis of very high power prices, um, very volatile power prices across the Nordics and especially in the south of Sweden. So how would you say has the last year, the energy crisis also impacted uh, your work and, on, and the shift in the political landscape? And here I'm referring, for example, to some form of protectionism that has occurred um, I'm not sure how much this occurred in, in, in Sweden, but for example, I know the case about a interconnector between Norway and the UK that has been uh, delayed or even rejected due to protectionism. So, so how does this political landscape uh, uh, impact you? We, we can see that there are, are some more protectionist voices, both in the media and in some countries. However, we have proven through many years of collaboration between the DSOs and the good outcome that collaboration is the way ahead. For cooperation is especially important in these demanding times. Few, if even any country, can solve the challenges by itself. So new interconnectors are to create a better solution for all. Of course, for some small periods, this might seem to have negative effects on single countries, but the outcome serves the society in the EU as a whole, as well as it serves each and every single country. And we are increasing our collaboration with other TSOs in NSOE, the Nordic Fora. And we are actually, I am experienced more often a willingness to cooperate than the opposite. Yeah, that's good to hear. Uh, and how, how does this cooperation actually look like? Um, can you elaborate on that, especially between the Nordic TSOs? You know, the Nordic countries are connected in one synchronous area. And we have many projects and several common owned companies. Just to name some few examples. We are creating a new Nordic balancing model, including automation to serve our control rooms. We have common 10 years grid development plans. We are building new interconnectors with Finland, for instance, as we speak. Uh, we have several common owned companies like 50 for IT development and ESET, as you said, for, for settlement. But also we have several dialogues on all levels within the organizations in order to cooperate even more. And in fact, our control rooms are cooperating on a daily basis. One time we need help, and the other one we can give help. So we 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 are really here to cooperate and serve the society together. So we're growing more together. Absolutely. Yeah. 
And what what would you say are the priorities of of, of Svenska Kraftet or maybe also of of this uh, cooperation of the Nordic TSOs in the next twenty uh, four months? Well, we have so many priorities. I don't know <laughs> if we can call it priorities, but at least to fulfill the need of society to speed up electrification and decreasing congestions by reaching the goal we have set by 50% reduction of lead time for overhead lines and stations. And here we are working closely in several regional initiatives with other agencies, the county administrative boards, municipalities, DSOs, large consumption, consumers, etc. All together, both in the north of Sweden, the west coast, in Stockholm, and even more just in order to find faster and better solutions together. I hope that we, through these this regional initiatives, also can remove the, the not-in-my-backyard perspective that still is a challenge, both for the transmission grid as well as for the distribution grid. Another priority we have is that we create new markets for ancillary services, and in order to get the work done as well in the whole industry, we need skilled staff. So they, we also have difficulties to find the resources. But above all, as the top one priority we have always is balancing production and consumption in the electricity system 24-7 and handling disruptions immediately. And that's always the top priority. And by that also preparation to be able to run the system in 10, 15, 20 years ahead. Maybe I want to pick out one of those um, examples that you mentioned, reducing 50% of, of the lead time for, for overhead lines. Um, so I, I guess this is also very much connected to solving the grid bottlenecks within Sweden. So how do you deal with the NIMBY concerns towards um, uh, overhead lines? People like to have electricity, but not in my backyard. And and that's a challenge uh, we, we are facing on a daily basis in, in the society today. But we also think that the crisis made people aware of the importance of a uh, electricity infrastructure and a good working system. So we are we're both working on the short-term and the long-term parallel. We need to have two thoughts in our head together. So monitoring the system around the clock at the same time, we also continue our focus on the long-term by building new power lines to meet tomorrow's uh, need for electricity and create also then new solutions for the market. So we need to continue explaining the need of long-term planning. Uh, we taking the expert role and describe what the power system needs uh, in, in the long run. And one of the most exciting parts of our job is that our perspective between two seconds for these FFRs and theory services and 40, 50, maybe even 80 years ahead and everything in between. Mm. So so then in, in a way, it's also probably good that you are so frequently in the media. So you have the forum to um educate the public on what is required to 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 solve the bottlenecks exactly um are there are there any other topics um, um that you want to to bring up around those bottlenecks i, I think in our pre-discussion we we talked about becoming an enabler of flexible generation or flexible demand which of course can can help um in um in in solving uh, the bottlenecks um uh, at, on site uh, to uh, just laying more cables so uh, what do you think about that? Oh, we, as a uh, DSO, always need to take the system perspective. Make sure to point out the needs, where and when we need and what, and collaborate about solutions. Because as experts, it's our task to guide investors to the right ge geographical areas. So we invest in our short and long-term market analysis. And that can be a very good ground for pointing out the need of flexible generation and demand. One factor is, of course, the power of the electricity price. 
higher prices during a longer period can attract investors to invest in electricity production. Hmm. Interesting. I mean, it, no, so now we discussed um, um, the priorities, we discussed the overhead lines, we discussed the grid bottlenecks, but there's maybe one other priority which uh, was very prominent um, in, the, in the, the earlier this year, and it's uh, your proposal for capacity market implementation. Uh, just also some background for the audience. Uh, the Nordics and, and Germany are probably the, the few large uh, power markets in, in, in Europe that don't have a capacity market yet. It's an energy-only market. So um, what can you learn from, from other European countries uh, like GB, like Poland, on, on how, to, uh, how to introduce such a capacity market? We can always and should always learn from others. Uh, as you mentioned, both Italy, France, uh, Poland, Belgium and UK have capacity markets. But we need to keep in mind that different countries also have different conditions, which probably make it a bit challenging to do a direct comparison. We would rather look at different design elements. What lessons can be learned from that and would, how it could be applied for Sweden? If we take um, Italy, for example, They have a geographically differentiated capacity market, which is something we foresee would be the case for Sweden as well. So looking more closely at design choices and experiences from Italy in that respect would be relevant. We also believe that financial incentives like reliability options to ensure availability to the contracted resources is the preferred model. Uh, the reliability options, however, open up for many questions concerning demand side resources in particular, but perhaps also for storage. Therefore, here there might be a need for more innovative solutions compared with the standard ones, which have been more geared towards the traditional thermal uh, generation. And for what we have seen, we also believe that a centralized model is to be preferred over a decentralized model. While there are, there are advantages of a decentralized model, it could, for instance, provide more flexibility in the contracting, we also see clear disadvantages. For instance, the, if the electricity retailer were the contracting parties, how would that work in a retail market with, as we have, high degree of competition, customer switching, and many small retail companies? It's, it's quite complicated. And also that Sweden has then several bidding, bidding, several bidding zones. We have four. So a decentralized model would also become more complicated in terms of allocating transmission capacity for the capacity market. And in Europe, it's, it's actually only France who have opted for a decentralized model. And the evaluation from the TSO and the regulator there indicates that there are several problems with the, the, that link to both liquidity, the ability of the model to ensure sufficient investments, etc. But you are actually in a quite good position that you can modularly choose what has worked well in other countries and uh, uh, choose some some design options that that uh, apply to apply to the Swedish system. Exactly, this is a very good uh, situation to be in. Actually, okay. Um, of course, one unique uh, feature of the the Swedish power system is that it's almost uh, decarbonized. Um, especially in the north, uh, but the emission intensity is probably one of the lowest. Uh, across Europe. So how how do you fit this together that you, you want to incentivize more dispatchable uh, firm capacity, but of course you don't want to uh, introduce any any fossil generation uh, in, in the, the new fossil generation in Sweden. So how does this fit together? We look at the wind and the solar contribution to this security of supply. Uh, they both can 
cause problems, but they and also can be contributors. In any case, these technologies will most likely continue to grow. So we need to find solutions to ensure that they contribute to system stability as well. We had, for instance, a pilot with parks on how they can contribute with FCR down, and the outcome is actually very positive for all parties. Then we have the converter-based technologies, uh, have the potential of supporting system stability, and there's a lot of work ongoing, what's called grid forming. So yes, there are, there are ways to have wind and solar to contribute to security of supply and also the frequency stability. But in terms of re resource adequacy and from a capacity perspective, of course, these technologies are, have some clear limitations still. Mm -hmm. But will they in the end... Uh, be something that uh, there is for, for certain te te technologies like a minimum uh, uh, emission intensity to 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 be pre-qualified for this market? And the pre-qualification is also our task and that we have to have real defined rules for what, what is acceptable in the system. Okay. All right. Time is beating us. So I would say we cover one more topic and then uh, we go to our section underrated, overrated. Uh, so the last topic I would like to cover with you is actually the Swedish power market a bit more in general. Uh, do you think that Sweden will continue to be such a major exporter of electricity in the future? Yeah, as we probably will have more and larger electricity needs within Sweden with larger consumers and the edification of the industry, we might have less to export, which we also can see in our short, shorter market analysis. By 2027, we still have a surplus for, for export. To likely decrease from today's 28 to 6 terawatt hours by 2027. And the same goes actually for the whole of the Nordics. In 2027, we still expect to have export surplus, but decrease from 38 to 13 terawatt hours. But after 2027, if and when all investment plans for activation of industry will kick in and no sustainable amount of production will increase in Sweden, we will be an importer of electricity again, as it was in the beginning of the century. In parallel, with an increased demand on the consumer side, we also see that approximately 80 terawatt hours of production will reach its technical end of life. Uh, it's a bit further ahead, it's about 2045, but then we, the overall need is then for new production around 300 terawatt hours. So to your question, do we plan for Sweden continuing to be a major exporter of electricity to the rest of Europe? It depends on how fast we can increase our production. Last year, as you know, we were the largest uh, exporter in Europe, but now I read that France has taken the number one position again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess uh, in this question, how the scenario in 2050, 2060 will look like, you also play a, a large role. So I could imagine uh, getting also the permits down, getting uh, renewables faster connected, incentivizes more wind and solar in, 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 in Sweden, and therefore... Um, uh, will, will lead to, 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 to Sweden remain an exporter, uh, but also it contributes to, uh, to, to, to less bottlenecks. And maybe this also attracts then a bit less of this very large uh, uh, demand in the north of Sweden, uh, where, where a lot of those uh, investments, of course, uh, consider that uh, they remain in, in, in an area with very low prices in the future. Exactly. Yeah. In our long-term market analysis, we had actually four different scenarios. Uh, so Sweden has a long tradition of export, and we likely will start as well. But actually two different ways to choose. Either we export electricity, and the electrification of the industry will happen in other countries, or we export products based on green electricity. So two, two scenarios were pointing out that, that the refining of raw materials like iron ore will be outside of Sweden, 
And two scenarios actually with high consum- consumption, there we assume that Sweden in high degree would be a country exporting climate neutral products instead. All right, then let's maybe come to the last section of today, uh, overrated or underrated. So I don't want to miss the opportunity to ask you a few concepts uh, in the energy transition and ask you if you think they're overrated or underrated. And don't feel the pressure to elaborate on your responses so they can be very brief. Uh, but I just want to see um, if, you, if you think it's in hype uh, or, or the opposite. So my first concept is a pan-Nordic transmission system operator. Is that underrated or overrated? I would say it's overrated. Uh, we, are, we have a very good collaboration uh, today already, but we have national uh, legislation as well to, to follow. And we have different markets still. Uh, so that's, a, I would say, overrated. Yeah, and also, I mean, we, we, at the beginning, we mentioned that you're an agency. It's it's yeah. probably hard to also fit this together. Um, it is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, then the second concept, uh, more grids as the major enabler for more renewables. Underrated or overrated? Oh, it is a really tricky one, I think. It's both over and underrated. We need more, we need more grid, definitely. But at the same time, only grid, just more cables is not the only solutions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Next one, battery electric storage systems. So uh, BESS uh, to provide grid stability, overrated, underrated? Absolutely underrated. We can also see on, for the five years ahead that the battery introduction will also have a good uh, um, effect on the prices. Mm-hmm. On the prices of the... For the, uh, for the households. On okay. The okay. So even on the wholesale market. Yes. Okay. Interesting. Uh, and then uh, with the other side, demand response, uh, like load shifting uh, to provide grid stabilities. It's definitely underrated. And actually, remember a meeting I had uh, about 13 years ago when I worked at, at Fortum. We had a European consulting firm talking about demand response. And we just looked at them and said, we don't need that. There's no need at all. We have we have as much electricity as we, we need and we can even export. And now we are here. Yeah. Yeah, and procuring many of your grid services from exactly. both the market response and, and yeah. batteries. Okay. Yeah. yeah, interesting. And now now we're coming to an end. So, Lovina, thank you so much for today. I think it was very insightful and uh, we will definitely watch uh, you uh, delivering on those priorities in the next two years. <laughs> Good, thank you. That was Alexander Esser, Aurora's head of Baltic and Nordics based in Stockholm, talking to Lovina Lundström, Executive Vice President for the Electricity Operator at Svenska Kafnet. Do keep an eye on our podcast feed for more in-depth conversations with senior members of the energy industry. The best way to do this is to subscribe on whatever platform you use. Thanks for listening and goodbye.